When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yes, yes. Welcome into another edition of the Tim McKernan Show here on the Inside STL Podcast Network. I am your host, Timothy Michael McKernan, alongside the great gangster Pete, who is on the ones and twos. And it is a questions from the audience day. And the questions from the audience today come from emails. And I guess I've been going more fan page than emails lately. And then I wound up getting a bunch of good emails, even some here. One, uh, uh, just this morning, and I only promote it once a week, which is probably really poor on my part, uh, on the fan page. And, and the reason why I offer the email route is so if people don't want to uh, get uh, mocked on the fan page for asking a question, this can give them privacy and we assure confidentiality. We live by the omerita here on uh, questions from the audience. So, um, as I as I want to emphasize and, and emphasize and emphasize, ask something that you want to hear uh, discussed, but you might think there's no way in the world I will discuss it. What's the, what's the worst possible scenario? The worst possible scenario would be that I that I say, yeah, well, we're not going to discuss that. So you got to shoot to score. Might as well. And so in this case, I didn't even really put that out there. And we wound up getting some questions that that are so good and they're stored up in, in the emails that I'm like, I'm just going straight email. I'm not even going to promote this on the TMA fan page. Uh, so you're always welcome to email me, tmckernan at insidestl.com. And of course, you are welcome to uh, to when we have the, the QFTA threads on the TMA fan page to post them there. But uh, tmckernan at insidestl.com. I love, I mean, listen, I'll give you my opinion on, on the Cardinals um, or a sports topic or whatever, whatever it is that's got you worked up. But if you've been listening to this podcast and if you've been listening to, um, TMA and, uh, the other, you know, shows I've, I've been a part of, uh, I like, I don't, I don't even know what the hell it is. I, I, I like, I like questions with no answers, I suppose, is essentially what I like, um, to, to be concise. So, uh, fire away and, uh, you know, Feel free to ask whatever it is you want to ask and or just tell a story and then, you know, I'll be more than happy to put it out there and get the opinions of the audience. I have no idea. I want this thing to be a free-for-all. And listen, I can tell you my thoughts on the Cardinals uh, attempting to get Bryce Harper, not attempting to get Bryce Harper. But, uh, you know, that's, you know, that's, that's, that's a two-foot putt. Let's, let's see if we can hole out from 150 yards every once in a while. So uh, fire away. T. McKernan at InsideSTL.com. We're in the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. Ryan Kelly, the sponsor of this podcast, as our studio sponsor from the very beginning. And if you're going to buy a home, 
you're going to refinance a home, make sure you're doing so with the homeloanexpert.com. Ryan Kelly is his name. And at the start of the year, this is an opportunity for you to get things going. And if you're looking at a house and going, you know what, if we get this here and then we can take care of this here, the kids wrap up the school year, we can move in here. Ryan Kelly can get things wrapped up for you quicker than anybody. And on top of it, you know it's going to be done professionally. And that's the thing that I like to emphasize to the people who listen to this podcast. It's not just a case of, yeah, this guy just started up a mortgage company. Hey, you ought to do it. This guy not only has been around St. Louis now, uh, he's got to be coming up on a decade, but uh, he's growing his business and he's growing his business because people know that when the time comes to buy a home or they want to refinance, there's only one name to know. And it's Ryan Kelly. He is the home loan expert online at the home loan expert.com. There are a variety of questions and I don't know uh, how often uh, I get this caliber of questions in the history of questions from the audience. And I like them. Uh, Gangster Pete, I might bounce things off of you as we go. So just feel free. But, you know, just just as an FYI, I might I might hit you with your perspective because uh, I, I really enjoy uh, what people sent in. Um, so let's start with this one. This comes from Brad. All these are via email. Tima Kernan at InsideSTL.com recently got into, parentheses, what I thought, and parentheses, was an interesting discussion with a friend who is a pastor and would like to get your perspective on it if you are so inclined. Does ethical behavior slash decision-making exist without religion slash religious concepts? Most of my friends and family are fairly religious. Just wanted to hear an opinion from someone who seems to have a similar view on religion as I do, and that comes from Brad E. And even if I... Uh, wanted to give his full name. I wouldn't be able to because I don't think I could pronounce it. But thank you, Brad, for the email. Um, I really like the question. It's one of the many questions this week that I like. The answer to that for me is uh, yes, um, because I would like to think that the way I operate, attempt to operate, and certainly slip up. I'd like to think I'm in the 90 plus percent, but certainly slip up. Um, is not because of my Catholic school grade school or my Jesuit high school or my study of religion at the University of Missouri, uh, which for the record was one class. It's not like that was a minor or anything like that. Um, there was a time in um, the late 1990s that was really... Like like the person, if you listen to TMA and if you listen to this podcast and you were to know me like pre-1997, so I mean I'm 20 at that point, 21 in that range, I, I don't think you would recognize the person. At least I don't. I don't know. Maybe I'm completely off the mark and I suppose I'm really the only person who would know. There were very few people who knew me, you know, then and then also know me now. Like, well, I mean, I still have friends who I've, of course, known going back to the 80s from my neighborhood in South St. Louis. But I'm just talking about in general. And um, and one of the things, well, there were two things that were eye opening. And I and I, it wasn't like a conscious thing. It just kind of happened. Uh, I always say seeing the Howard Stern movie Private Parts was like the defining moment for my broadcasting career, which is just stupid. But it's but it is it truly is in the scene where he is uh, caught doing a live read um, 
for a company where he was just handed copy, or I guess Fred Norris didn't have the copy, and um, and he was acting like he had gone to, the, I think it was a sporting goods store all of his life, and then as he gets to the finally looks at the copy, he realizes it says grand opening this weekend, which means he was exposed to the audience for having lied, and I'm sure they, you know, pieced it together for the purpose of the movie, and that's not exactly what happened, but the moral of the story, so to speak, is, you know what? I'm just never going to lie to you again, the audience. Um, and you know, and that, and that's, that's essentially how that, that element of his career was told. And it might be to my detriment that I have attempted to subscribe to that ever since, even though in 1997, when I saw that movie and I happened to see it in Lawrence, Kansas, I think my girlfriend and I went to spring break in Lawrence, Kansas. How, like I told you, I'm telling you, I was a fucking mess. So that tells you a lot right there. Um, but I remember seeing that movie and just being like, that's, I mean, that's, that's, that's what I love. That's what I love. Um, and so that combined with watching the Dennis Miller show, and I'm certain I've talked about this before, but again, you combine all of these things and he was doing, he called them these rants that, well, I didn't call him. That's how he opened up his show. And Dennis Miller, and I'm sure plenty of you were thinking, wow, Dennis Miller, Tim, that's super cool. You know, but Dennis Miller in the 1990s was much different than Dennis Miller in, in 2019. And I hope it happened there. But, uh, in the late 1990s, um, he was doing one of his rants and I'm not sure what the issue was, but it essentially was discussing religion being used for public policy and he said, if you truly believe that there is a God and the teachings that you ascribe to, and whether that be Christianity, Judaism, Islam, take your pick, uh, then, then if you do believe that passionately, then, then when it's all said and done, God's going to take care of it. In the meantime, live your life the way that you think is best and to each their own. And I'm kind of like, yeah, and it is, it's, again, the, the fact that my personality and my, my worldviews essentially were created in the late 1990s, in my early 20s, I gather, um, from something as simple as, as watching private parts, which I guess is more career worldview, to, um, yeah, to, like, who cares? Like, I just, I don't know. I don't know. To, I don't care. And by I don't care, I don't mean I don't care, period. I mean, some of the things that I think currently can actually win you elections, wedge issues, social issues, oftentimes, when it gets down to it, I think a lot of people who would consider themselves, for example, Republicans, um, you know, so often you hear the term socially liberal, fiscally conservative, go, yeah, I mean, if, if two gay people want to get married, great. I just couldn't care any less. Um, I think part of the, the election, I don't think, I'm fairly confident that part of the election strategy is okay. In order to win elections, we have to appeal to this base of social conservatives in order to win elections. And so we've got to, we got to run this offense, even though deep down we might not feel this way. And I'm sure you can pick out whatever group or groups that you feel like the Democrats cater to, uh, even though when it gets down to it, they don't necessarily feel that way. But um, what I think that has done is is narrowed the field as far as Republican candidates for people who would consider themselves socially liberal, who they can really, really like totally get on board with as opposed to just going, yeah, my 401k shot up or yeah, I'm on board with, 
um, this particular policy. And God, I have to cringe when he starts talking about this particular social element because it's just not something I personally believe in. Or as I watch him talk about it, I know there's no way in hell he believes it, but he has to play the game. So, um, and then finally, the third thing, the third tenet would be, and this happens to come from the New Testament, but it's not, it's not, it's, you know, it's not, it's not the reason why I personally live by it. I've just found it to be the best way for me personally to live, which is whether you want to call it the golden rule, love thy neighbor, basically treat others how you would want to be treated. And, and so when you take all three of those things, essentially honesty from Stern, uh, and then, um, uh, to each their own from Dennis Miller and, uh, love thy neighbor from the new Testament. They happen to be the three sources, but I happen to really find that utilizing that kind of operation, uh, as far as a day to day way to live made me happiest. And really I've, you know, it just, I've been incredibly lucky in my career and then also in my personal life. Um, and, and, and that's kind of the way that I operate. Uh, and I just, for me, I feel like it works best and I, and it obviously has nothing to do with religion. I have seen, um, uh, Ricky Gervais who is, I don't know if it would be fair to call him outspoken atheist because would someone who uses a biblical passage in their Twitter bio be described as an outspoken Christian? I don't know. I feel like there may be a double standard there, but uh, Gervais certainly, I think part of it is attempting to kind of poke the beehive uh, with regard to poking at uh, religious people. Um, and he said, yeah, I, I don't, I don't treat others how I would like to be treated because of any particular reason, reason. I just personally find it to be the best way for me to live. And so that's what I do. And so that's how I would boil down my personal opinion on it. However, that is me. And anytime I'm giving an opinion, unless I'm providing some kind of polling data or I'm citing, I spoke with this person or this group of people, uh, I'm always going to make it clear. This is for, this is my opinion and my experience and your experience may be different. When it comes to insurance, I think a lot of people go, yeah, I got a guy and you know, I don't know. I, I know I pay for my home insurance and it's built into my mortgage. And I know that I pay my auto insurance and it pops up once every six months. And yeah, I guess we have some life insurance. I don't know. I have too much going on. I don't really, I don't really know what I have. And I, and I never really hear from my person. And so whatever, I don't care. I'm, I'm covered. That's what I know. Or at least that's what you think. And that's the case that I had actually, when it came to disability insurance, uh, thought I was covered really did. I mean, and, cause I'm thinking to myself, not only home and auto, but also for, uh, the, uh, like inside STL, for example, with, uh, media liability insurance, you know, all these different things that you wind up, you just keep getting bills. You're like, well, I gotta be covered because I'm filling out this and that. And then I meet with James Carlton because I decided, you know what? I wasn't really happy with where I was. Let me see if there is a difference here because I'm hearing great things. And sure enough, there was so much so that I switched to James Carlton. And then I realized, oh, I don't have disability insurance. That's going to be a problem. That's going to be a real problem. And uh, James t 
took care of it quick, fast, in a hurry. Uh, James said, hey, are you aware of the State Farm uh, Drive Safe and Save app? And I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. I get this little beacon, like a little tiny box, put it in my glove compartment, and now I've already saved like $46.50 or something on my car insurance this month just by having this thing in my car. Uh, it's just, it's you know, it, you might go, yeah, those are minor things, but they add up, and it also means somebody's paying attention for you. The last thing you want is to be in a spot where you think you're covered, and then something happens, and you find out you're not covered. You're already in a bad spot if you're having to call your insurance as it is, no matter what the circumstances. But then you find out you're not covered. Oh, my gosh. 314-961-4800 is the number you need to call. 314-961-4800 or go online at carltoninsurance.net. It's James Carlton, State Farm Insurance Agency. We're up for Groves. If your insurance costs a leg and an arm, call James Carlton, State Farm. Um, I do think that for plenty of people, uh, religion is the incentive to attempt to treat others how they would want to be treated. I think my core issue with religion with regard to 2019, um, if, if I wanted to evaluate, for example, my upbringing in Catholicism, it's that you start digging into it. And for me, uh, much of it is very difficult to believe, um, but I certainly hope it's true. I can tell you that but I'm not coming down on, it is absolutely not true. I'm just saying, I don't know. And that's where I am. And if somebody believes it passionately, if anything, I'm almost envious of that. Uh, what a, what a great way to go through life. Along with this, however, I feel like there's been a hijacking in some capacity to the actual teachings of Christianity. Uh, and I think that, I don't know how long this would go back, maybe I guess 40 years ballpark. Uh, but some I'm certain would say, well, how about how the Bible was used to justify segregation? Uh, how about how the Bible was used to justify take your pick of whatever uh, over the years that now in 2019 you look back and go, oh, my God, that was awful. And, oh, my God, they used the Bible to justify it. Take your pick. So now here in 2019, the latest one is to, you know, um, quote something from the Bible and then say, you know, and this is why I believe this. And this is why I justify this. And, and whether it be anti-gay, um, take your pick. I feel like it's convenient reasoning for discrimination. However, however, I also think it is important for these two things to coexist. That is my opinion. But I also think it's important for people to be able to believe and practice that. And I know it's difficult. Um, but I, if somebody personally is not on board with something, uh, I don't think they should necessarily be forced to be on board with something. Uh, it's a different ball game. If you're actually against people, that's a different operation. But if somebody's like, yeah, you know what? I'm just personally, I'm just anti, I'm anti, take your pick of whatever anti it is, or I'm pro this because of that, then, then God bless America. Um, and I realize when it gets down time to actually legislate that, Ooh, that is not easy. And, uh, you certainly can lose elections if you want to stick your neck on it, uh, or lose your job as the case might be. But I feel like oftentimes one of the things that we have seen happen with uh, a move towards what is called tolerance is as we move around the circle to the left, which I would certainly put myself in that category, 
then the circle continues and it actually turns into intolerance for people's views who are religious. And while I may disagree with those views, um, I, I, I think that it's important that you respect, even if you disagree, the right to express them. Um, but it has to work both ways. And that's the thing that I think frustrates people. So to answer the question, for me, the answer is no. But your question was not, Tim, for you. It was, does ethical behavior decision-making exist without religion, religious concepts? And my answer is absolutely yes. However, it's a case-by-case basis. And I am certain um, that a number of people uh, attempt to behave one certain way because they believe it is how they will be uh, rewarded in the afterlife or that if they don't, they will be penalized in their current life for doing something that is anti whatever religious teaching it is that they subscribe to. So there you go. It's philosophy. You might completely disagree with it and it's fine. It's great. I like that. Um, but that is my opinion and it's certainly not coming from a place of malice. It's just my, my own personal story and my experience. Uh, let's see what we got here. Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies online at evergreenstl.com. I have had a number of people since Mark started advertising on the show say to me via email or when I see him at, at events, you know what? I was hesitant to reach out just because I had a feeling it wasn't going to be great news. And then I did reach out. And not only is Mark an incredibly kind person, but he's so thorough. And then after talking with him, I felt better. And so if you are like I was for a number of years, well into my 30s, and feeling like, yeah, I just don't know what I'm doing with my money. I don't really know anything about it. People start talking about this or that, and I don't understand it, and I'm a little embarrassed, and that's where I was. Then please, and I say it with just the utmost sincerity, go online to evergreenstl.com to find out more about Mark Hanna or just give him a call, 314-889-0503. If you want to get a clear picture of what you have, and if it's appropriate for your current financial needs, it just starts off with a phone call. 314-889-0503. Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies. Online at evergreenstl.com. Um, hey, Tim, hope you're doing well. I saw belatedly your post yesterday on the fan page regarding the questions from the audience. So this uh, came in last Wednesday on January 9th. Hopefully you can cue this for next week. You've expressed many times over the years how lucky and thankful you are for the success you've had in the industry. During political discussions, I've also heard you reference that you would never be considered as a potential candidate if you chose to pursue that uh, career because you would be referred to as the quote-unquote pervert, LOL. You obviously have a voice and perspective that the public is respective to, though. If you could go back, would you ditch the so-called pervert behavior that we all enjoy so much in order to make a run for public office? For what it's worth, I fall somewhere between your and Doug's ideology. Well, that's a wide berth. Uh, but to lean conservative. Uh, but I like some of the concepts that you ha concepts that you have presented. Thank you in advance for the consideration of the question. Have a good evening. That comes from Josh. I really enjoy that question. It's something that I've never actually even thought about, and that's why I kind of like the question, because it makes me think. First off, um, you know, do I think I, if I actually ran for something, do I think I could win? And the answer is yes, but that's not because I think highly of myself. It's, it's because I think I can see, like, the easy ABC way to win an office 
and take your pick of whatever current year you want to use, 2018, 2019, 2020. And, and kind of how, I don't know what the right word, I, easy isn't right, but it's just like how how you can kind of, you're, it's like I, like I know I could take a route on certain topics and I'm like, I know who's going to like that. And I know that therefore it will get, you know, attention and, uh, and, and then I guess theoretically it could lead to more money. But as I just told you in the first answer, I don't want to lie to the audience. Um, and that might be to my detriment. Uh, but I do not want to get in a spot where I am like, like I said, you know, uh, taking an opinion just for the sake of taking the opinion. That's not the way that, uh, I, I will operate. Uh, if I say it, I really think it. Um, so there, there's there's that. And then with regard to uh, if I were to actually run for office, again, not because I think I would be the best candidate, but because I think I could win, which I think are two very different things. Uh, I mean, I've been, quote unquote, your word here, Josh, successful in this industry. Uh but this is the industry that I've been successful in. It's not like I have been, it's not like I studied uh, governmental philosophy or politics or take your pick of whatever else. Uh, I studied the uh, journalism at the University of Missouri. Now, I think it doesn't necessarily mean that education and going to Ivy League school or take your pick of whatever university, that, 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 that has to be the qualification. But this is the business that I have been in. And while there's certain philosophical elements that in principle I will agree with or disagree with. That doesn't mean that I know the inner workings of policy. As I've said so many times on this podcast, one of the great frustrations that have come, that has come with the success of what we've built over the last 15 years is being written about um, and sometimes inaccurately and, and I don't consider it necessarily to be done maliciously. It's simply that there are inner workings that are not made public. And so therefore, now that I have experienced that, now that, you know, for the first however many 30 years of my life, I would pick up a newspaper or read online. And if it was there, I'm like, oh, it must be true to now going, wow, yeah, on the surface, that move made no sense. Take your pick of whatever move it can be. You can make it as baseball-related or as government-related or as entertainment-related as you want. But I know now that I don't know. And once you know that you don't know, it's hard to get really worked up, like like truly worked up, on a topic when you're like, yeah, I mean, I can sit here and scream about it and I know there will be a certain response from it, but it would be disingenuous, you know, um, and I don't want to do that. That's kind of what it goes back to. I want it to be genuine. So with regard to, um, as you called it, uh, be, be referred to as the pervert, the honest answer to that is absolutely not because I think I think, and I don't know, I actually, this would, this would be another, this is my own question. This is my question for the audience, not questions from the audience. This is my question for the audience. Why? These are two very basic questions that I've never thought of until like literally I read Josh's email and now as I'm answering the question, why has TMA, uh, which like, 
and and I say this that they say it respectfully, very respectfully, has kind of like confused the FM station, uh, either market managers or um, managers around St. Louis, especially now that it's kind of gotten more attention here. I feel like since 2013 when we started up CBS Sports 920, why has TMA been able to do what it has done? And I'm not even sure what we've done, but I guess when you've been on the air uh, for 15 years, and I guess as simple as a, a group of four people have been the hosts for 15 years, Martin, the cat, and myself for the first uh, two, and then uh, Doug, the cat, and myself for the last 12 um you know why has that worked and i i true i truly don't know the answer as far as no goes i can offer a theory and certainly there's the humor there's no question i mean that probably is number 1 actually but i think and i again this is straight theory i think it's because the audience knows that it comes from a genuine place I think one of the, like, if you just were to isolate, like transcribe any of the shows, and this could be how the show ends. I always talk about it, like how, how will the thing end? And it won't, I mean, it might end on our own terms. Um, I mean, I, I actually, I don't know on that um, because inevitably someone is going to move on. Inevitably someone is going to move on. Like, even if we all got whacked, I'd go, okay, well then we'll just do a podcast. So that isn't necessarily how it would end anymore. In 2013, the podcast wasn't necessarily viable. Um, but that's not the route that we want to go at this particular moment, but somebody will move on and then there will inevitably be, you know, I mean, I've, I, cause I've experienced it. I experienced it with Martin in 2006. Um, and so when you, when you have that, uh, you have inevitable discussion is always oh, the show over. That's, that's the nature of the beast. And I understand that. And I don't fault people for that. I mean, as, as a huge Howard Stern fan, I mean, I still listen. I listen mainly for the interviews, but I feel like the show was at its best when Artie was on and was kind of playing the three guard with uh, Howard as the one and Robin as the two. And I thought the show just was absolutely the best. And now I kind of just listen only for the interviews, but it's still on and there's still uh, still a huge following. But I think the reason why that if you were to transcribe a part of the show and it would come off to somebody who doesn't listen to the show as what in the hell are these guys talking about? Or this is very offensive, you know, uh, as the things are uh, to be deemed and then, you know, f- either fired, suspended or boycotted. Um, that the audience who does listen knows that it's done kind of like a roast and that it's good natured, even though it has an edge. And I think that we, I don't want to say get away with it at this point. Um, I think that it has worked because people know that it's genuine. Um, Doug certainly expresses political opinions that, you know, while some people absolutely love, like, oh, it's great to hear Doug tell it like it is, and Doug's right. There are plenty of other people who go, oh my God, you know, I totally disagree with that. That's awful. I can't believe he tweets this or likes this. And I'm just like, yeah, I don't know. That's but he has every right to do it. So I don't know what to, you know, if you, if you have a problem with it, you're more than welcome to take it up with Doug. I'm not, you know, Doug's boss or employer or anything like that. And, and, and good for him for expressing what he thinks, even if I personally disagree with it. Um, and, 
And I certainly, you know, may not be as political. I'm probably more political in here, but again, it's not necessarily politics so much as philosophy. Um, but part of me, and I don't apologize for it because I don't think there's anything to apologize for, is what I consider to be a comfortable discussion about sex and sexuality. And I think if I were in LA or if I were in New York or if I were in San Francisco or if I were in Miami, uh, it wouldn't be perceived as as big of a deal as it might be here. Although I don't know if it's still perceived as as big of a deal here as it was at the very beginning. And I'm talking like 15 years ago, but for the purpose of like a political campaign, absolutely. It would, it would make me unelectable, which is, you know, again, I'm not looking to do it, but I'm, I'm just saying, I just know the program and then take your pick at like, Oh, he follows Caden cross on Twitter. Oh, he's friends with Caden cross or he's, uh, you know, they've had Ariana Marie and Seika in studio or whatever it is. And then be like, oh, I could never vote for him, you know, but I, whatever, I know what it is and it's fine. And that, and those aren't my people. Uh, and, and I am not their person and that is great. And, and, and they can exist how they want to exist and I can exist how I want to exist. And it, and, and, and we're good. Um, but if I were to like have one of our f- free flowing conversations and and it gets into an area regarding like the porn industry which i legitimately follow not because i'm like oh my god i have to take this opportunity to to pleasure myself but i for whatever reason find it fascinating more so i think because the interviews are always just so you know as i always say if you're comfortable having sex on film for a large audience then odds are you're going to be comfortable giving honest answers in an interview. And so I just find the industry to be fascinating. And it's not like when, for example, I talk about poker back in the day when I used to play a lot of poker and I, you know, deep down knew that I was like speaking to 1% of the audience. If that, the truth is, you know, I don't say everybody, but the vast majority of 20 and 30 something men and probably older than that watch porn. But it's just not talked about, which is fine. And I'm not looking for people to say, do you watch porn? And then, you know, like, uh, like a meet the parents lie detector test. It's just, I know that there's, that it's there. It's just for whatever reason, it's not talked about. And it's fine. You know, there are plenty of things that are private that people don't talk about, but I'm not looking to go into people's private lives. I'm talking about my opinion on it. And I personally don't feel that it is bad or immoral or wrong. Um, and that is my opinion. Um, I, I don't feel that it is bad or immoral or wrong to be honest with the audience and say, yeah, I'm agnostic. I know that that certainly puts me in a minority in St. Louis more so than it would and take your pick of the markets that I listed before, but it's the, it's the truth. And, and, and that's another position. I think that might actually be more damaging to me than the, uh, the comfort level with, with sex is, oh, wow. You know, I mean, you, you take your pick, you now have uh, openly gay, uh, and lesbian and uh, what uh, the uh, senator now from Arizona uh, is bisexual. That's that frontier has been crossed. What about somebody who is uh, agnostic winning a spot in the state of Missouri? I don't I don't necessarily see that happening. And and again, I'm not mad about that. I'm not mad about it. It's not like oh my god, this this great political career that that I have I believed and have been carving out by doing a weird sports talk radio show for 15 years is going to start up here in my 40s uh, is now going to be restrained because I can't 
I can't overcome the fact that I talk about the stag industry or the fact that I'm agnostic. That's just not, that's just not something that bothers me. I just recognize the landscape. You know, it's like, it's like when I talk about, when we talk about like, you know, we've talked, we had a good discussion on TMA about the media in St. Louis being soft, the sports media in St. Louis being soft. And I think there are reasons for it. Uh, and I love the discussion because it's not as simple as they're the pussies. That's not how it works. There are reasons for it. And then how come the, the media in Boston is perceived to be hardcore or, or Philadelphia or New York? How come? Well, there's reasons for it. So, um, and I'd be happy. Maybe that's another question for the audience. But I love the question, Josh. I think it's a great question. It, it, it forced me to kind of reflect on it. But it's an insta-call because I guess, and I don't know this, it's just one, it's like chemistry. I interviewed John Hewlett and uh, Learn, who hosts the show on KC in the mornings. And uh, like Jack Snow and Steve Savard, for example, on Rams broadcasts, Chris Kerber and Kelly Chase uh, on their show, uh, on the Blues broadcast or their show, for that matter, when they were doing it. Um, you know, take your pick of, 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 of a show where there's just chemistry. It can't be created. You cannot, you, you can have, take your pick of however many dollars. You cannot create chemistry. And you also cannot create either a personality or a show that is relatable. You can't do it because if you're trying to do it, a part of that is being who you are and therefore it has to be genuine. And so while to use Doug as an example with his politics, um, which, you know, this gentleman cited to, to kind of give, give an idea of where he was politically. Uh, great. I, I, I don't go, Oh my God. You know, I can't believe, you know, this is what he thinks. But I know Doug Vaughn. I've known Doug Vaughn since 2000. I think I've known Jim Hayes since like 2002. And whether we agree or disagree on an issue, I know that they're good guys. And we might just have a different viewpoint. And, it, and I'm sure a large part of it is because of the media outlets where we consume our information and how they are currently being manipulated to cater to uh, the respective audiences. So... The thing that I've kind of attempted to pride myself in is to be a real paradox for, for some social conservatives. It's like, yeah, he's the porn guy. And yeah, he goes to strip clubs. And yeah, he talks about going out and drinking. And a lot of this is now past tense. And then it's like, oh, yeah, who started that station? Oh, Tim McKernan did, but he's the pervert. Well, he seems like he's got a company now. It's been around for a while and they... And people, you know, who he works with, who certainly would not fall into the category of going to strip bars or, you know, Frank Cusimano seemed to jump to go to work with him. And, uh, you know, how how come, you know, Jack Danforth is sitting in the studio with him or Bill DeWitt Jr. is sitting in the studio with him or Ed Martin, who is uh, very conservative is in the studio or take your pick of, you know, Megan Green's, I guess, coming up here, whichever liberal you don't want to use. Jay Nixon coming in studio. So my point being, you can be agnostic, you can have a comfort level with discussing sex and perhaps have a different uh, viewpoint than is mainstream on sexuality and still be a decent human being. Uh, and, you know, I just, we just might have different views on it, but that doesn't mean that one is bad and one is good. And so much of what I think is going on right now when we talk about why some people see things through one lens and another person sees something through a completely different lens is because it's not as simple as, well, they're watching this station and you're watching this station. It's actually because 
the way that it is portrayed is he is good and he is bad or she is good and she is bad. And it, and it, and, and you have to take a side when in reality, it's like, yeah, I don't share that opinion. I think that opinion is just completely wrong or I just disagree with it or I, I don't even know how he or she arrived at it. But when I'm hanging around the person, it's a good person. You know, it's a good experience. And so that is, that is how I look on, you know, and I know I'm aware of it. It's like when we have, take your pick of like a stag starlet comes in and we do a TMA live at a hot shots and it's like the cat goes, yeah, I'm going to go get wings. I get it. And I'm not like, hold on a second. You're being disrespectful to this adult starlet. I understand what I understand the parameters that for his career he has to abide by. And maybe it's just personally for him as well. And God bless him. I'll carry the segment. You know, there are certain segments that, that go on in TMA that I'm just like, yeah, I'm out on it. I, I didn't watch it or I don't know about it or I don't care about it. But, you know, based on what I'm seeing from the text inbox or from social media, clearly the audience is engaged by it. So great. Nobody's losing. It's just uh, for me, I'm, I'm out on it. And that doesn't mean that somebody's right and somebody's wrong. That's just the way that it works. And I think that's a comfort level that's important to establish. Is, is, and that translates to being genuine. So great question. And that hopefully answers it. That No, I mean, I, I listen, I know it's penalized. There's not a question in my mind that it has played a role um, in, in some people being, oh, I can't be associated with, with him because of that. And that's fine. Um, but then I would also being, uh, I wouldn't be genuine if I weren't talking about um, something that I actually legitimately have an interest in and personally do not find wrong. So there it is. Questions from the audience. Uh, I got to two of them. Two of them, for my money, were very good, and I appreciate them, and it allowed me to go inside my mind and think about things that I had never actually thought about. And yeah, the, the question, my question for the audience is, why do you think TMA has been around for 15 years? I mean, we just do it. I, I think some people think that like, oh, Doug and the cat and Tim are hanging out off the air. I mean, I don't know if we've ever just the three of us hung out, as weird as that sounds. I'm sure it sounds weird to you, and it almost might disappoint people. And it's not because we don't like each other. It's just, you know... They, they have television jobs. They have had families before I had a family. It's just a different deal. I mean, I don't do a whole lot of hanging out with too many people as it is, much less uh, guys I spend, you know, God, I don't even know how many, like 600 hours a year with. Um, but I certainly like them and respect them a great deal. So I don't know the answer to why it's been successful. Those are my theories. First off, it's amusing. But secondly, it's it's honest. And, I, and one compliment we always get is when you guys do talk about something serious, sports or politics, it is a serious and engaging discussion, and that's a great compliment. So I don't know. Email me your thoughts. Team McKernan inside STL.com. Thank you, as always, to the HomeLoanExpert.com. Ryan Kelly, James Carlton, Estate Farm Insurance Agency. Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies. Johnny Londoff, Chevrolet at Highway 270 in the Washington Elizabeth Exit. And Mike Judy of MikeJudyPresents.com. For Gangster Pete, I'm Tim McKernan. This has been another edition of the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios.